0: Welcome in to episode 21 of the Woo Pig Weekly Podcast, your weekly source for all things Arkansas Razorbacks. This week's episode is brought to you by University Traditions. They have several hat designs, as, we, as we've said in the past, so you can go and check those out. Use promo code VSN15 to receive 15% off your order, and go check them out. They have some good hats for you. So we'll jump into some Arkansas football news, where Arkansas had a scrimmage this past Saturday, where Coach Bim and pointed out landon jackson stood out this week and that he's looking like he'll make a bigger impact this year um on defense for arkansas so what do you think that'll look like
1: well um i mean he's, he's one of the guys that's returning on that defensive line kind of edge rusher type position um you're going to need some guys like him that are returning uh, to kind of step up and, and lead the way. Obviously, I think Chris Paul in the the uh, linebacker's position. you got a couple of guys that are coming back that really need to step up and take those leadership roles because you got a lot of new faces on there as well, on the defensive side especially. Um, so that's good to see him kind of stepping up and showing out, kind of blazing that path for some of the new guys, if that makes sense. But definitely a good thing to hear.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I think that kind of goes into this next little comment we've got here where, you know, I think going into this offseason and into next season, uh, we were a little nervous about how our defensive end depth would shake out. But Coach Pittman said after the scrimmage that he likes where we're at with our defensive ends with Jashad Stewart, Zach Williams, John Morgan, Trajan Jeffcoat, as well as Landon Jackson. And he said that we're pretty talented there. So, uh, I, th- I think that tells you that he's feeling pretty confident about where our defensive end room sitting.
1: Yeah, that's, that's kind of my take on it as well. Um, just having a little bit of added depth there compared to what we saw off and on last year. I mean, realistically, added depth across the entire defense. I mean, I know we talked about it some last week. We've got significant more depth at the uh, defensive back position, um, a decent amount of depth at linebacker and a decent amount of depth on the line. Now, so I mean, there there was definitely some upgrades made there as far as depth goes. Uh, Talent, in my opinion, kind of yet to be seen, especially once you start playing SEC games. I mean, you really, you really kind of separate the the wheat from the chaff, I guess, as they say, um, to really see how talented your guys actually are. But just having that extra depth, being able to keep guys fresher longer in the games, I think that'll really be big for us this year. I know that's, in my opinion, kind of somewhere where. Some fourth quarters might have been a little bit of a struggle last year for us, so
0: yeah, that's for sure. And so, just to be on the lookout, Arkansas spring game will be held on April fifteenth at noon. If you're not able to be in the Northwest Arkansas area and attend that, that will be also streamed on the SEC Network Plus as well as ESPN Plus. So, get a quick early look at what the team's going to look like. I know spring game doesn't necessarily give you a whole much, but it, a whole lot. But you can get a uh, kind of a a sneak peek at what personnel we're going to have and maybe some of the things we're going to run, especially with a new offensive coordinator. I know we'll probably keep stuff pretty simple, but it, it might give you an idea on what our offense might look like a little bit before we get into spring ball or I mean, summer ball.
1: Yeah, that's very true. M- main thing to, to kind of look out for on, from my perspective is just some of the the play packages, the personnel packages um, obviously, you know, th- Different defensive coordinator running a different scheme with a 4-3, so there'll be some things to look out for there as far as the players that are on the field compared to how things looked last year, so definitely going to be a lot of new things to learn for the team, I think, so should be able to see um, a little bit of the scheming changes take place during that spring game, so excited about that.
0: Yeah, that's true. I, I'm excited to see what that'll look like also. Well, what, what, we'll get an idea of what we'll kind of look like with on the offensive side of the ball with Danny you knows coming back in and see what he kind of does with our tight end sets and especially with the talent that we've got at that spot as well. And so with that, we'll jump over to Arkansas basketball where, you know, portal season's in full swing. And so we're, we're starting to see now, I know we mentioned a little bit last week, but now we're starting to see our roster shake out a little bit of who's gone, who's coming back, things like that. And so, so far for Arkansas, players that are leaving so far that we officially know about is Kamani Johnson, as he is out of eligibility. You have Nick Smith Jr., who's declared for the draft, as well as Ricky Council, who just came out and declared for the draft yesterday. So that leaves a few other questionable guys that we're not sure what they're going to do. Um, You have Devo Davis, who has declared for the draft, but also left the door open for him to return to Arkansas, depending on, I guess, what his NBA grades are or what he gets his feedback from scouts and things like that. You have Anthony Black, who, you know, we it's interesting to see what's going to happen with him as the deadline to declare for the draft is April 13th. And here we are April 5th. And he hasn't really said anything. And what he has said has been mixed messages. You know, he said year one complete and kind of talked about, you know, Bay fall and being present at the McDonald's all American game and seeing him play. And so it really just starts to make you think about could He realistically be coming back. And then you've also got Jordan Walsh, who for most, for the most part in his interviews after the tournament has made it sound like he's kind of decided to come back, but nothing official has been announced. And then it's been pretty silent on the front of the Mitchell twins, Jalen Graham, and some of those freshmen like Darian Ford, just opinion. I mean, I expect them to be back and then officially returning a guy that was probably 50, 50 was Trevor Brazil who announced he was returning later in the week last week. So when you start looking at that, what are you kind of seeing there, Seth?
1: Well, I, I think the biggest the biggest item of news so far is obviously Trevor Brazil coming back. Um, I mean, it, before he got injured last year, I think he you are, could have made the case that he was probably our best scorer, second best player on the team, best player on the team. I mean, he was way up there as far as production, um, ability to stretch defenses out to to make lanes for other guys. I'm um, just with his three point ability to kind of play that stretch five kind of style position, um his athleticism through the roof. So you got all kinds of highlight plays from him. Um so Muslim being able to kind of recruit him to stay, in my opinion, is probably the biggest win so far. Um that said, with Anthony Black and Jordan Walsh potentially coming back, I I'm kind of with you. I think Jordan Walsh probably is more likely to come back out of the two of those guys. But it is um Curious, I guess, is the right word to say about Anthony Black not really saying anything yet. And the things he has said have kind of felt like it's pointing more towards him, maybe returning over leaving, um, which is, in my opinion, surprising. I, I thought that he probably had the best year out of all of our guys as far as um, going the highest in the in the draft, um, just, just off of his potential, plus his production, um, his ability to run them offense. I mean, he can score when needed. And I think you put him in an NBA development program. I mean, I think you would see his scoring improve even more. Um, but in- anyhow, not to go down a rabbit hole there too much. I, I'm i really curious to see how Devo, Anthony Black, and Jordan, how I, everything kind of shakes out for those guys. I think that'll really be crucial um, when it comes to who we really do legitimately go after in the transfer portal i know we've we've linked to we've been linked to a lot of different players we've reached out to a lot of different players i think there, there's there's several players we'll kind of go over here in a minute that are uh having official visits to the university things like that but I, i'm not sure how far you can really go um down some of those paths until you actually get confirmation around devo anthony jordan obviously the mitchell twins guys like that so um kind of in that limbo stage still, you know, just trying to figure out who's staying, who's going, you know, a little bit more now between Nick Smith and Ricky Council than we did last week. So that helps. Um, But you still got to kind of make it through the rest of this limbo phase.
0: Yeah. From what I've seen, you know, with Kamani Nick and Ricky gone with the return of Brazil, along with, you know, a- another player that, our, we'll preview in a minute that Arkansas got coming out of the transfer portal and the two freshmen coming in we're back at that max scholarship limit we've got so we're we're full on scholarships and if we're still reaching out to some of these transfers you know somebody else has got to be leaving possibly more than one so it's just the real question is who uh, and like you said I, I think there's some curious things with Anthony Black as far as you know they could be possibly putting back and putting together an NIL deal that could make it worth for, it to, for him to come back. And I, I think he's one of those guys with – compared to Nick, you know, with his injury, you know, that he had. And I think he is a guy that he really just wanted to get to the league before risking potential other injuries. Whereas Black's one of those guys where, yes, he's projected a top-10 lottery pick, but, you know, he can come back refine his game and, and possibly be back in that spot again next year and go even higher – top five. So that'll be interesting to see for sure. But like we mentioned a while ago, we Arkansas has officially had one commit out of the transfer portal. And that's Keon Minifield out of Washington played for the Huskies this past year. He he is a freshman. So he's coming in. He'll have three years of eligibility left. Uh, He is a guy that averaged 10 points per game, getting 3.1 assists per game, 2.9 rebounds per game and shot the ball pretty well. He shot 41% from the field, 33% from the three-point line, which is something we were definitely missing from last year or this past season. One thing that I would like to see a little bit higher is he did shoot only 69.8% from the free throw line, but maybe that's something that he'll improve in the off season and be better at next season.
1: Yeah. I've, I've actually heard just from, you know, different, different sources online and stuff um, that heck even a lot of Washington fans kind of hated to lose him because of the, the stat line's decent don't get me wrong 10 points per game is actually not not a bad average at all um but that he plays his his minutes are more valuable than just the scoring and things like that as, as far as the defense that he provides um you know 3.1 assists per game isn't the astronomical number but it's pretty respectable so i you know obviously he's point guard style of player so i i Whenever I saw that he committed, it kind of gave me a little bit of a gut punch in a way about Anthony Black maybe not coming back, you know, so I mean, with that still being up in the air, I'm not sure if you can really take this as a directing factor of Anthony Black maybe not coming back or what, I don't want to read too much into it, but overall, I think this was a really, really big pickup for us just to have some more depth kind of in that point guard type role.
0: Yeah, he's also a guy that I've been seeing – he's been dubbed essentially like the Energizer Bunny. He's very, he's a very twitchy and fast player that, you know, off the dribble, he can definitely fly by some guys. I watched some highlights of him in his freshman season at Washington. And, you know, right off the dribble, he's got some speed and bounce to uh, make some good finishes at the rims, and, and he, you know – from what I saw has good finish at the basket, you know, he can definitely get in there and get buckets also as well as, you know, drawing the foul. So I think that's one thing that is very Anthony black, like, but it's one of those things too. If black comes back with him coming in and Bladen block or coming in, you can honestly run an offense with Anthony black playing your three, three spot. I mean, that's something that could realistically happen. Or you could be able to give more guys minutes, and you know, have him at the two spot. You know, it just there's there's a lot of ways you could go with that.
1: Yeah, that's very true. Uh, this limbo, man, I swear it, it's such a not fun place to be in a way, but at the same time, there's so much suspense. It makes it exciting. Um, so I'm I'm really excited to see you know kind of where this team ends up shaping out, who makes who who kind of, you know, finalizes the roster, who who doesn't stick around, all that kind of stuff. It's it's an exciting time of year for sure.
0: And it's very true. I will say in the next few years, I easily expect to see Ricky Council in the NBA dunk contest. If not, they, they, they're, they're missing out on some opportunity there. That's very true,
1: man. <laughs> I'm going to miss those highlights. I'm hoping that uh, Brazil hasn't lost much of his bounce from his injury and kind of can fill that highlight dunker role for us this coming season.
0: Very true. And so then we'll move over to some notable transfers who've been linked to the university so far uh, as far as having Arkansas contact and in their top four or five uh, spot. And of course, the first person you've got to you know, talk about is the number one transfer prospect in the portal right now is Hunter, Dick- Hunter Dickinson from Michigan. He He's a guy that I think honestly surprised a lot of people when he entered the portal guy that averaged, I believe 16 to 18 points a game and nearly double digit rebounds per game. He's a guy that, you know, seven footer would give Arkansas a true, true big man presence, which they haven't had in a long time.
1: I, I think um, somebody you could kind of compare him to that we've had in the past. And I mean, he might be arguably better, honestly, but would be uh, like Justin Smith from uh, two years ago, I believe. Um, just kind of that big body bruiser down low I mean you can see with him being seven footer he's not he's not what you sometimes see in a seven footer that's super lanky and doesn't have a whole lot of thickness to him dude's filled out for sure um he's definitely a threat down low more so than we've had I've kind of like I said I think since like Justin Smith was playing for us um so it could be a a lot of potential there. I, I, obviously, I think we've reached out to Kalel Ware too, who's also a seven-foot guy. Um, so I'm, I'm not really sure. You know, I'm curious to see kind of how this all shakes out if we do if we are a legitimate landing spot for Hunter Dickinson. Kind of how that makes the rest of the team shake up when it comes to um, Bayfall getting minutes. Um, you know, who, who else we might be able to get transferred in. Uh, obviously, there's going to be an impact there. So. It is exciting to see a player that, 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 that is that talented um, be interested in us out of the transfer portal, though. That's
0: very true. And another guy you've got to look at is Cleef Battle from Temple. He he feels a need that Arkansas lacked extremely last year, and that's the three-point threat. You know, Last year at Temple, I believe I saw the stat, he, he made 77 threes in his season at Temple last year, which averaged out to him shooting 35% from three-point line, which is – Pretty good, and that's something that we didn't have last year that would be added, much added shooting ability that we need. And I've seen that he's gotten a crystal ball for Arkansas, and Arkansas is in his top, I believe, four, and he's, I think, supposed to be making an official visit tomorrow. So that's something that, you know, keep your eye out. You know, we could get a commitment potentially out of him by the weekend.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Wouldn't be bad to pick up a a couple of shooters more so than what we've got now. I think the the biggest thing to look at there is how how much he fits the defensive side of the ball. Um, I know that's one thing that that Musman's really keen on. you got to be able to play defense, too, not just score. I think you saw that this year, obviously, with some guys not getting as many minutes as you might would have thought they they would have um, from their scoring abilities just due to their maybe defensive inefficiencies. So more to be seen there for sure.
0: That's for sure. That's, you know, I think that's something we've seen since he's been here. Like you said, if you can't play defense, you know, you might not get a lot of minutes from Moss just because, you know, he values that defensive, you know, intensity and effort out there. A few other guys to mention that Arkansas is in their top four to five is, you know, you got B.J. Mack. I believe he's a 6'8 guy from Wofford that is, is another big man that has Arkansas in its top five. You got Tremont Mark from Houston. You know, Houston was an Elite Eight team this year. He was a guy that started for them. There's in the portal and has Arkansas in his top four. And you also got Tyler Perry from North Texas, who, is, who was the Conference USA player of the year, but also I believe he is an Arkansas native as well. Um,
1: I think he's from right across the state line in Oklahoma, like right over there by Fort Smith area. Um, but is very familiar with Arkansas, obviously kind of being right across from Fort Smith. So I think that's what I saw.
0: Yeah. So you've got you've got several, you know, players that are looking to, you know, potentially come in and help Arkansas. But again, that's like we mentioned earlier. With all these players we're talking about coming in, what does other guys like? Are they Leaving, returning, you know, it, it, we re, it's really hard to tell what's gonna happen until guys actually say what they're gonna do. And speaking of that, as we were talking about that, looking at something that reported by Kevin McPherson at Arkansas Hoop Scoop on Twitter, it seems like he has some belief that Arkansas will be senior Jalen Graham. Looks like he is gonna return to Arkansas from just what's being said on Twitter. So that, that's an interesting thing that I I, w- I didn't see him coming back, if that's the case. Um, he's a guy that I think on my list of guys that the probability of him coming out, he was honestly on the bottom of that list.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of thought the same thing, especially with some of the guys that are coming in already. And then some of the guys that we've been targeting in the portal, um, you know, Hunter Dickinson, prime example. I, I, depending on who makes it onto the roster, I mean, if, if even if Jalen Graham's there, I think uh, I'm not sure how he gets any more minutes than he did this year. Uh, unless there's some significant improvements on, you know, defensive side of the ball and then free throw making ability. Uh, you can't question his ability to score around the rim. That's obviously his bread and butter. The dude's phenomenal um, as far as scoring but there's some other kind of facets to his game that I think needs some improvement. But I mean, that'd be a player to watch. If he does come back, you know, has a full, full off season of development under his belt. We'll see if, you know, he has a breakout year potentially under his.
0: Yeah. I mean, you read my mind there. I think, you know, that's one thing. I think if he wants minutes next year, he's going to have to put in the work and be a a more solid defensive player. Cause I mean, this year, you know, he had some decent games where he played defensively, but for the most part, you know, it just felt like he got beat a lot this year. And then also, like you said, I believe he shot in the 30 percentile on free throws this year, which is not great. I mean, for the most part this year, I think me and many Hog fans, and you'll probably agree, every time he went to free throw line, you kind of just figured he was going to miss all of those. So,
1: yeah, it became expected, and that's that's not what you want to see.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. So we'll see in the next hopefully week or so. I know it's they've got about eight days, so essentially a week to declare whoever's going to declare for the draft. So that's one thing that we'll be on the watch watch for until next week's episode to see what happens and if anybody else says they're leaving. You know, does Devo make the decision to come back? How long will it take him to go through that draft process? You know, several different factors into seeing what Arkansas' team is going to look like next year. Um, so, yeah.
1: It's very true. Um, like I said, man, it's a suspenseful and exciting time of the year when it comes to basketball. We'll uh, kind of change it up here and look at the Arkansas Gymnastics where Arkansas gymnastics competed in the NCAA gymnastics championships, um, they were in the Norman, Oklahoma regional, where they came in third. Um, they scored one ninety seven point two seven five in the event, so one of the I think it was our highest score total for the year. So they they showed up and showed out. Unfortunately, the competition level was pretty stout around them in that regional as well. Um, but anyways, the individual scores on the vault were forty nine point two two five. On the bars, 49.350. On the beam, 49.20. And then on the floor routine, 49.50. So they they really finished out the year on a strong note as far as um, team accomplishments go. But unfortunately, that was the, the end of their season, I believe.
0: Yeah, that that's true. You know, I actually watched this, you know, meet. And, you know, it came down to that second spot. So the top two from that regional advanced on. And so it it got down between us and Ohio State in that regional. And it it, it honestly came down to the last event for each team, which was Arkansas on vault and Ohio State on bars. And um, I think they barely edged us out by, I think it was like they scored about half a point more than we did. Um, And I think that came on uh, one of their drop scores where, you know, you have, Six, six uh, athletes compete, and then you drop your lowest score to f- have your top five scores. And so I think that's what happened is their sixth, um, sixth uh, gymnast that went scored enough to just barely edge out Arkansas to make it onto the regional. So uh, we'll see, you know, what Jordan Weber does for next year. I'm sure she's going to get this team reloaded and ready for next season. I mean if you think about it as a, as, as a gymnast who wouldn't want to come compete in the SEC, but also for a former Olympian as well.
1: Yeah, it's very true. Like I said, I, I think they've, they made improvements all year long. You kind of see it with the way they were continuously making incremental, um, records on their, their previous high score of the year, I guess you'd say from the combination standpoint. So they were gaining some momentum and hopefully they can kind of carry that into next year. Um, especially depending, I I don't know a whole lot around the the recruiting side of things and the personnel and all that goes, but definitely we're kind of on the right track there towards the end of the year. So if we can carry that momentum on.
0: Yeah, that's true. And so with that, we'll jump over to some Arkansas tennis where, unfortunately, Arkansas tennis, both men and women, it looks like they haven't had a rough week here. So, you know, we'll go through some of these scores, but, you know, As we've said before, we've entered conference play where competition's a little bit stiffer than some of the non-conference play we've had. But when you start looking through it and going down here, you had Arkansas men's tennis versus South Carolina on the March 26th, where they lost that match six to one. You had they came back March 31st and played LSU, where they lost that match four to one. You had Arkansas Women's Tennis play South Carolina on the 31st and lost that match in a close one four to three. Arkansas's women's tennis lost to Florida on 5-2. And then men's tennis lost to Georgia on April 2nd, 4-0. So it's been a tough, you know, few game stretch for both our men and women's tennis team. But maybe they can get things going here in the next week or so with some of the matchups they got coming up.
1: Yeah, it's been a tough skid. Um, Happens from time to time in pretty much any sport, so we'll just kind of have to see how they they weather the adversity and and how they can finish out. You know what I like? I like to be comfortable. I also love representing my favorite sports teams. And in the Clutch, I am able
0: to have the best of both worlds. In the Clutch Apparel is your one-stop shop for all things sports. They have officially licensed gear from all your favorite teams and players
1: from the NHL, MLB, NFL, and more. They have sports classic tees,
0: from yesteryear and beyond check out their full website in the link down below. When you enter the promo code variety sports, you get 10% off everything site-wise
1: feel comfortable with your sports apparel and go over to their website now at end And don't forget to use our code variety sports to get 10% off. From there, we'll uh, we'll shift gears over to Arkansas softball. Um, The lady Razorbacks played Mississippi state in a series um, on March 31st through April 2nd, where Chanice Dills got the start in game one, um, where we won that game four to two. She pitched seven innings. Only gave up three hits and two runs, one walk, and had five strikeouts. So this was her 10th complete game, fourth straight. So obviously, you know, we, we've said it time and time again, she's, she's our workhorse this year, and she's really delivering for us. Um, Casey Hoffman went three for four at the plate with two home runs, which were both career highs for her. So, a little bit of a highlight game there for Casey. Kylie Halverson went two for four with two runs scored and a double. And uh, overall, the, the team out hit the Bulldogs eight to three in the opener here. And then on April 1st, um, took on Mississippi State for the second game of the series and won this one 11 to zero in five innings. So, run ruled them to go ahead and clinch the series. Hannah Cammonson got the start. She pitched all five innings, only gave up four hits, zero runs, one walk, and three strikeouts. Um, this was her first SEC complete game shutout with five scoreless innings. Um, so highlight game for her as well. She's, you know, we've said it kind of in the past, she's the the kind of the one two punch add-on behind Chanice Dell. So got some really solid pitching. Um, Reagan Johnson went three for three at the plate in this game with three runs scored and also a walk. And then Kylie Howerson finished two for three, um, on the day and drove in three runs. So great series clinching win there. And then, uh, on April 2nd, we went on game three going for the sweep and got this game in a close one, five to four, um, to complete the sweep. Kelly Turner got the start here. She went three innings, gave up three hits, on two runs, had two walks and two strikeouts. She was relieved by Nikki McGaffin, who pitched a third of an inning, gave up one hit. Hannah Kamenzen came in, pitched two and two-thirds innings, gave up one hit, two runs, uh, one walk and one strikeout. And then Chenise actually came in the last inning to close things out and picked up two strikeouts. Um, Reagan Johnson went two for four with a triple and one run scored. Christina Foreman went two for three. Reagan Kramer went one for four at the plate, but had the go-ahead two-run blast. Um, After this, Hannah Kammonson was named SEC Freshman of the Week for her uh, shutout performance in game two. So a really good sweep of Mississippi State for the weekend. Um, I mean, I I think our talent level is obviously a a bit higher than theirs, but you got to show up and perform each game. So great job by the Razorbacks there. What's your thoughts on this series?
0: That's really true. I I think you see, like I think we mentioned it last week too, you know, I think softball team is starting to get in their groove of things. I think, you know, some of these freshmen are finding their spot and, you know, their groove in the offense and and on defensively. And I think our pitching is starting to level out now about who we know we can count on consistently. Because like you said, you've got Janice Dells who's your workhorse, who can easily probably go two games of a series. You know, you got Robin Heron, a star freshman that's doing well. Hannah Kaminson, that's a freshman that's doing well. Uh, you know, you see some seniors showing up with Christina Foreman, some upperclassmen that are, you know, being key contributors. So I think that's this team's only going to get better from here, and I think you see them on a roll. They do have a – we'll cover in a minute, but they they have a big series, home series coming up this weekend with – number 10 Georgia coming to town so that'll be a big series that you know hopefully Arkansas can you know at least win that series it'd be nice to get a home sweep but uh with them being number 10 I, I think we, we we say if we can get this series and that that'll be good but I know that that'll also mark the return of, of a former player that's on Georgia's staff Danielle Gibson who is a, a big opponent for Arkansas's run last year to the in the super regional so that'll be interesting to see that home coming for her as she's on the other side of the you know the dugout so but it'll be I think a big series and I, I hope to get to attend one or two of these games over the weekend so with that we'll move on to Arkansas baseball where they they played Alabama for another home SEC series over the weekend where Arkansas clinched the series but you know the way the way the series started out, it, it didn't leave you with much hope as Arkansas dropped it the first game of this series, twelve to one. You know, I don't think you're going to see very many scores where Arkansas loses twelve to one this season. Um, Hunter Holland got the start in this game. He went four innings, allowed ten hits, seven runs, one walk, and four strikeouts on eighty-four pitches. So, you know, I believe one of the announcers said he's been really good for Arkansas all year, all year long, and I mean. He was due up almost essentially to come back to earth at some point. Um, And then you had him relieved by Gage Wood, who came in for an inning, had three hits and allowed two runs with one walk, one strikeout on 30 pitches. Austin Ledbetter came in for three and two-thirds innings and allowed nine hits on three runs and two walks with one strikeout on 64 pitches. And Zach Morris came out to finish the last one-third of an inning got one strike out on 3 pitches. So close that out. Um a stat that you hate to see here though. Arkansas allowed 22 hits in this game, which is most allowed in a Van Horn era. So it was just a game where Bama could hit everything and Arkansas couldn't hit anything. Arkansas's only run that they scored came off a Tavian Josenberger home run that which was his second of the season. So yeah, your thoughts on this game, Seth?
1: man you, you just you flush that one down the toilet and move on man it, it like you said uh, uh alabama came out i uh, mean they hit everything i mean that's f- really the first game that i've seen hunter holland i don't even want to say struggle because i mean he only had one walk it wasn't like he was having a hard time throwing strikes or missing his spots he wasn't even leaving balls hanging over the middle of the plate realistically i mean Alabama just hit the ball well. They were they were going down, hitting, you know, tough outside edge strikes. I mean, just they really just had an overall outstanding performance, top to bottom. They they showed up with a lot of grit and a kind of a chip on their shoulder, I guess. Um, not being ranked, if I remember correctly, coming in wanting to kind of set the tone for this series, and they they really did that. So definitely, like you you kind of prefaced it already already, but kudos to Arkansas on. Being able to forget that loss and move on to games two and three and, and be able to actually pull this series out and we'll cover it in a minute. But, man, that that first game is it's definitely one that you have to learn as a team how to forget those types of games and move on to the next day. And that's just that's just kind of how baseball is, you know.
0: Yeah, I think this is where you see, you know, small ball in action and, you know, how it's actually played compared to some teams that, that they love the home run ball. But this 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 was, I think, small ball to the tee. But like you said, this is one Arkansas had to come out, you know, essentially flush down the toilet, forget it, move on. And so, you know, that's exactly what they did is on – in the next game of that series on Saturday, Arkansas came out and won this game 9-6 to where Will McIntyre got the start. You know, your regular Saturday guy – you know came in three and a thirds innings, so it's not a little a, a fewer fewer number of innings than you'd like to see from him, but he allowed seven hits, four runs, three strikeouts on fifty five pitches. He was relieved by Dylan Carter, who came out and pitched two and a third inning with three hits, zero runs, one walk, two strikeouts on thirty pitches. You had Cody adcock come in and pitch for a third of an inning, had one strikeout on six pitches. And then Hagen Smith come in for the final three innings and allowed five hits, two runs, one walk, three strikeouts on 52 pitches. In this game, you saw Jace Borfin, Caleb Cowley, and Kendall Diggs all homer in the game for a three-home run game. And then more on Kendall Diggs, he had a three-run home run in the bottom of the third that cut the Arkansas lead two one. And he finished the day only for one of three at the plate, but had those three RBIs batted in with two runs scored and a walk. And so this is his eighth home run on the season, so he's had a hot season so far. And, you know, I, I don't think he's going to – looks like he's going to be slowing down anytime soon. You also had Tavian Josenberger finish with a team leading three hits and had a two-run double in the game. Jace Borfin had a home run that was a leadoff home run in, late in the game. And then Caleb Calley had a two-run homer that put up the Hogs 9-6 to six for the win late in the game as well. So Arkansas definitely had a bounce-back game in this one where kind of flowed into that Sunday game, that rubber match, as they like to call it, where Arkansas won five to four, which allowed us to clinch the series. Uh, ben Bybee, the freshman, got the start. You know, started out with a good command on his first couple of batters, but, you know, was only able to go two-thirds of an inning where he, he kind of just lost his command there, you know, allowed two hits and two runs and walked three three guys on 24 pitches. So. You know, he started out looking pretty good, and then kind of just faded there, and kind of had to pull him. And then, so he was relieved by Cody Adho- Adcock, who came in for three and a third innings, and had allowed three three hits, one run, one walk, three Ks on fifty three pitches. You see Dylan Carter come in again for three and two thirds innings, had two allowed two hits, one run, two walks, and one strikeout on. 63 pitches, and then you have Gage Wood come in for the final one and one-third innings with one strikeout and ten pitches. Uh, in this game, you had Tavian Josenberger who went two for five, scoring two runs. You had Jared Wegner, who went two for four, scoring one, one run and had three RBIs. But I think this is a day where you say Arkansas's bullpen saved the day.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that at all. I mean, it was kind of a – pitch by committee there to, to see who could stretch you out a few innings here few, or a few innings there between guys that both Dylan Carter and Cody Adcock had made appearances already in the series. So um, definitely showing where, where their value is in the bullpen. Um, I actually thought Gage Wood had a really good outing for the last inning and a third. He looked pretty solid. Um, but overall, definitely bullpen kind of came to save the day in this game and actually be able to clinch the series. This was a – I mean, realistically, a a huge game where I think both teams were struggling to to figure out who exactly to put on the mound and how long to keep them on the mound, who when to switch to the next guys. I think there was a lot there based off of, you know, lefty righty matchups and things like that. So, really, really a good series here to pick up the series win based off of how that that game that game one went. Um, really speaks volumes to the. Uh, the mentality in this team just for them to be able to kind of shake off a tough loss like that and battle out two, I mean, kind of hard wins over the next two games to win the series. So it's definitely a good thing to see this early in the year, having that kind of winter mentality.
0: Yeah, that's true. And so a couple other, you know, tidbits of information is, you know, Hunter Holland was named to the midseason Golden Spikes Award watch list, so you know, you know, like we said, he he's performed really well, you know, this season, especially since he moved into our Friday night starter guy. You know, we said he did struggle a little bit this week, but it wasn't necessarily like he just was walking guys like crazy. It's like they were Alabama just had a great hitting night where they were able to hit everything. But then you also have Tavian Josenberger, who was named SEC Player of the Week this week for his performance this week hitting you know another home run getting several you know hits and you know doubles out there so I think that's you know you see his play continues to him continues to improve um, and he keeps on improving from his numbers that he had last year at Kansas so I think he's a guy that you know is able was able to make that transition easily to SEC baseball compared to coming over from the Big 12 you know SEC baseball I think kind of for the most part, rules college baseball. I mean, you just look at the number of teams from the SEC that are in your your top 25, I mean.
1: It's all of them nearly. Yeah. (laughs) I think there was six or seven in the top ten, if I remember correctly. Well, one thing I'll I'll kind of speak to on Tavian Josenberger that I think also attributed to that SEC player of the week nod was just his defensive abilities in center field. I mean, he covers a lot of ground out there. He made a pretty outstanding highlight home run robbery catch um, in this series against Alabama. Um, That was an unreal athletic play. I mean, I I would probably say he's the best center fielder we've had as far as hitting plus um, defensive abilities since – probably dominic fletcher um i mean he's hitting the ball that well and he can play the outfield that well i mean you've got to put him kind of in some of those those uh top top razorback outfield in comparisons benintendi kind of comes to mind i don't know if he's quite that good but um he's he's definitely way up there that the guy's had a phenomenal season so far especially considering this is his first year with the hogs so it's exciting to see that
0: that's very true so you know, like to see what they got, you know, and we'll we'll feed right into the upcoming events that kind of feeds into the Arkansas got, has a, a road series this week as they go down to Mississippi to take on Ole Miss on a, a series that is actually this week a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series, you know, changing up a little bit from the normal Friday through Sunday series, which that will be going on, on the 6th through the 8th, starting up tomorrow. And then you got, like I mentioned before, Arkansas softball versus Georgia starting tomorrow. You know the sixth through the eighth. You know big matchup for Arkansas softball at home, and then you have Arkansas women's tennis. Got them has a match coming up against Auburn on the seventh. You know so hopefully they can get back on the winning track there. You know Arkansas soccer yeah, starting some preseason play as we're getting ready to get the season kicked off. Um, they got a matchup coming up against Oral Roberts on the seventh. And then you have men's tennis playing Auburn on the 7th as well. So hopefully, like we said, with women's, they can get back on the winning track there. Arkansas Volleyball has a tournament, the UMKC tournament, coming up on the 8th. Arkansas men's tennis on the 9th, taking on Mississippi State. And then the women's tennis taking on Alabama on the 9th. You have Arkansas men's golf in the Lewis Chittinwauke uh, Memorial tournament on April 10th and 11th and then Arkansas softball going down to UCA to take on an interstate matchup where hopefully they can get some revenge for, you know, UCA coming up here and getting the win in Fayetteville. So hopefully they can go down to Conway and get that win down there. So what's your take on some of these upcoming events this weekend?
1: I think, um, you know, you kind of let off with it, but the the Ole Miss series in baseball is, in my opinion, one to really watch out for. Uh, I think – I can't remember where they started the year ranked, but they – Ole Miss has underperformed kind of their expectations, especially considering the end of the year they had last year winning it all. Um, so, I you, I think we're going to run into a team that's really hungry to kind of get back into the win column, so to speak, there. So, that could really be a tough, tough series for us. We just got to go down there, try to get – the crowd out of it early because that's always a rowdy crowd down there in Oxford um, so that'll definitely be one to watch for that's that's kind of my highlight for the weekend as far as matchups and and potential tough games for us I guess I should say um, and then obviously softball teams got a huge matchup with Georgia um, that'll be Exciting to see, you know, kind of what we're what we're made out of, especially now that it, kind of like we talked about, I think some of our freshmen are fitting into their roles a little bit better. We're starting to see a little bit more um, consistency top to bottom in our lineup, a little bit more consistency out of our starting pitching and bullpen. So that's a huge matchup there. And then to round the week out, you know, that, that matchup against UCA to try to get a little bit of revenge. Those are those are going to be some fun games, man.
0: That's very true. I, I think we've got a lot of good Arkansas sports coming up that whether it be at home and you can attend or you can tune in via TV, you know, whatever it may be, go give it a, go give it a look, but you know, a lot of good Razorback sports to watch in the upcoming weekend. Uh, so as we round out today's episode, we thank you for tuning in and listening to today's, to today's episode of the Weekly Podcast. You know, we try to bring you all the most up-to-date things, Arkansas sports, you know, whatever it may be. So, you know, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, give us a shout, but just again, thank you for tuning in, tuning in to today's episode and we'll see you next week.